You are tuning to Mind Over Your Biz podcast. This episode will focus on the neuroscience of change and how we can leverage our mind to make the changes we need and want to achieve growth. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Mind Over Your Biz podcast, where we go beyond the numbers and focus on people. Whether you are a solopreneur, small business owner, or someone who is looking to achieve your personal and professional goals, this podcast is for you. Each episode will provide you with strategies to help maximize your potential and shift your mindset. I'm Dr. Maria, business coach, neuroscientist, and your host of Mind Over Your Biz podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome to all our listeners, new and old. Thank you for joining us on this episode that is all about change and our ability to use the power of our mind to make the changes we want. I am Dr. Maria, and I'm glad you're joining us. As I mentioned in the intro, today I'm going to briefly talk about the neuroscience of change. Why is it so challenging for us to make that shift in our existing habits and create new ones? Why do we have good intentions to make those changes both in our thoughts and in our behavior only to end up doing the same thing over and over again? So I will be sharing the special sauce that will help you achieve the changes you're looking for. And part of that ingredient is going to be a four-step process. Keep in mind, as leaders in our community and in our business, we cannot help others make those changes that we need them to make at the organizational level if we ourselves are challenged by it. So for this episode, I'm going to look at the individual and briefly discuss the organizational changes. However, our next episode is really going to focus more on organizational change. So let's get right to it. We are continuously changing. Since we're born, we are changing. Yet change can be very challenging for us. Why is that? Why is that if we are continuously changing when we want to make those changes and we have in our mind the idea and the thoughts of what are the changes we want to make, why is it that is so challenging for us to make those changes? So let me tell you. In part, it's because of the unknown. We often stay in a situation that we're in, not because we like it, but because we don't know any better, or we're afraid and anxious of the unknown. So we simply do not know what's going to happen if we make those changes. So we end up not making the changes that we want. Of course, this is all sometimes at the unconscious level. It's not that we sit here and say, well, I really don't know what the change is going to look like and I'm afraid, so therefore I'm not going to do it. It's simply we do not know what's going to happen and in our mind it creates anxiety and fear and therefore once again we stay put. 
we don't make those changes, even if we know what to do, or even if we know how to do it, we simply don't because of that anxiety we feel or that fear that we feel about the unknown. So at the brain and mind level, change can be painful. We need to start looking at what happens in our brain and in our mind that causes that pain that prevents us from making those changes. To get a better understanding of why this happens, I want you to start thinking about your brain as a web of connections. And those connections are based on what we've learned and our experiences through our life. And some of the connections that we have made are weak connections, where other connections that we, we've made are more are stronger. And those connections, those strong connections, we can think of them as habits, things that we do or think that we really don't put much thought into it. And for the most part, when we are looking to make behavioral changes, we're really talking about, not all the time, but most of the time, we're really talking about those connections, those strong connections, sometimes habits, that we realize that, hey, this is not working for us. We need to change this because it's simply not serving me anymore. So we have a plan on what and how we want to implement the change we're thinking about, but these thoughts and idea are weak connections because they're new connections that we want to incorporate to our existing pattern of thinking and behavior. But these new connections are inconsistent with the existing information already stored in our mind. So when we try to incorporate it into the web of synapses that I previously talked about, our mind perceives the difference and there's an increase or a strong firing of neurons that takes place in the area of the brain that is connected to our emotion, particularly the area of the brain that is the fear center within our brain. So this process starts a chain reaction that is counterproductive to the uh, change process that we want to implement. And it causes, uh, it causes mental stress because of the inconsistency between the two, the current pathway patterns and the new patterns uh, you're implementing. So keep in mind that in order to manage this inconsistency at the brain level between our existing connections and the new information that you want to incorporate into our brain, it takes a lot of energy and work. And our brain does not like to work too much, not because it is a lazy brain necessarily, but because it wants to save energy to deal with other information that it needs to deal and manage with. So eventually these new connections are not successfully uh, incorporated into our existing patterns, which translates to not making those behavioral changes that you are looking to make. To complicate matters a bit, 
This is also true for those strong connections I previously referred to as habits. So when we create a habit in our life, quote unquote, whether it's a good habit or a bad habit, these strong synapses or these strong connections are transferred and stored into an area of our brain that is deep within our brain, the basal ganglia. Our brain does this, so it does not have to use energy to think or manage this information. We simply perform the habit without really putting mental effort uh, into it. Sometimes we perform the habit automatically. So think about behaviors that you perform that you really do not think about. Uh, behaviors such as tr- tying your shoes, making yourself a cup of coffee or tea. So these well-habituated tasks that you perform again and again are found in what I previously mentioned, the basal ganglia, which is deep within our brain. And the basal ganglia utilizes significantly less energy than our prefrontal cortex, which is the area where we make conscious decisions, where we process information to make conscious decision. That's the area of the brain, which is responsible for our impulse control, the area of our brain, which is responsible for planning and decision-making. So moving these habitual tasks out of the basal ganglia or out of the area of the basal ganglia into our consciousness, into our prefrontal lobe can be challenging. And then keeping, keeping them in consciousness for a long period of time so we can break the habitual task that we've created can be exhausting to us. Uh, It can be exhausting to our mind. So what happens oftentimes is that we're able to do it. We're able to make that shift to bring our habits into our consciousness so we can make a change but we have a hard time keeping it there for long enough, for long periods to make the change that we want to make. So because it is mentally exhausting and it requires a lot of energy from our brain to keep it in our consciousness, we tend to revert back to the habit. Now, let me be clear. These changes are not impossible to make. Our brain is neuroplastic and we create new connections and new synapses based on what we've learned in our experiences. So it's not impossible to take those habits and change them and create new habits because our brain is neuroplastic. So as a neuroscience coach trying to help an individual make those changes that they want to make, we need to leverage that neuroplasticity. And in part is being able to bring those habits, those unconscious behaviors, those automatic behaviors that we engage in into consciousness and keeping them there enough long enough for new connections to be made that are strong enough that will create a new habit. So this leads me to how we can make those changes. 
how you can make those changes that you want to make. Well, first, we need to understand that every neural connection, every connection that I have been talking about has a psychological pattern. And what does that exactly mean? Well, it means that there is what we call a quote-unquote habit loop, which is made up of a three-part process. The first part of that process is that there is a trigger or what we can refer to as a cue that tells our brain that we can go into an automatic response. In other words, it allows our brain to start that habit, that automatic response. Once our mind, our brain is triggered with that cue to start that behavior takes us to the second step of the process in which we engage in that behavior. In other words, we start the routine, the habit that was cued. The third step to that process comes after we perform the behavior. And that step is the reward. So we receive some kind of reward for that automatic behavior, that habit that just unfolded. What happens oftentimes is that we are not aware of what the cue is, what is cueing that habit. And we also are not aware of what reward we're getting from continuing to perform those behaviors. So an important goal uh, for coaching, for example, is to help clients become aware, bring those cues to consciousness so they can start managing those cues and changing those cues or implementing a new cue. And also looking at the reward. What reward is the client getting from performing those habits? So how do we do that? This is what is going to take me to the four-step process that I mentioned in the beginning of the episode. So this four-step process in part was identified by Dr. Schwartz in his book, The Mind and the Brain. And it's based on a study that he conducted with OCD patients and helping OCD patients overcome those uh, habits that they had acquired because of their illness. For the first step process, I really want to talk about identifying the cues that is bringing upon the behavior. And we're going to deal with our thoughts and starting to really become aware of the thought that is cueing that behavior or that habit. And this is important because part of being able to change that habit is understanding that thought or that cue and relabeling it. So in other words, we need to look at that cue or that thought objectively and give it a name so we can identify it once we become aware of it. For the most part, these cues or these signals um, are related to something else 
And usually it's an emotion of some sort or a need that we have, which comes sometimes from past experiences. So an example of uh, an emotion that is a cue is uh, anxiety, fear, boredom. These are all cues that trigger a thought that starts that habit loop that I was talking about. So if we put meaning into that thought or what is behind that thought, example is boredom, now we can identify that trigger and call it what it is. I am bored. Uh, So every time that we may have a thought that is connected to that trigger, instead of automatically responding to it, we can stop ourselves and acknowledge that what we are really, what's behind that thought is really boredom. A practical example of that is eating. We tend to eat not necessarily because we're hungry. We tend to eat because of something else. So if we stick with the idea that the thought of for example, eating a cookie in the kitchen, um, if we look into that thought, we can say, well, is it really that we're hungry and we want to eat this cookie? Or what is behind that thought? And if we stick to the idea that behind that thought is boredom, it could be other things. It could be anxiety, for example. But if we stick with the thought that is boredom, now we can stop our habit loop or thought that leads to that habit loop and identify it as what really this is coming from is that I am bored. And, and once you've identified that, once you've been able to relabel it, it takes us to the second step, which means that you're reattributing that thought to something else. In this case, the reattribution is uh, boredom. This reattribution and relabeling allows us to refocus our thinking. And what that means is that when we refocus our thinking, we're now interrupting that pattern, that loop that we have, that we've created uh, uh, in our mind as a habit. And we definitely want to take advantage of that interruption because that is what's going to allow us to implement a new set of behaviors that is going to change that habitual task or that um, habitual connection. And in order to do that, we need to have a plan and we need to have a plan ready Uh, So when we do make that interruption, we're able to implement that plan uh, instead of the, the habit that we are used to doing. If we do not have a plan in place, what ends up happening is that, again, our brain does not want to do the work. So we will eventually revert back to that behavior. So once again, it's very important that we have set up a plan that you can incorporate to um, that loop in order to continue to 
interrupt that loop with a new set of behaviors and then strengthening that set of behavior. So that set of behavior becomes part of that strong loop that you already created as part of your habit. Now, we also need to keep in mind that not every plan is going to work. It is really a trial and error uh, type of decision making. And this is where sometimes we become fatigued, where we've tried so many different things to break our habits and it just really doesn't work. And therefore we stop doing it and we just continue with the same behavior over and over again. So it really is important that we have patience with ourselves and try to identify what plan really works for you. Everyone is different. So not every plan is going to be the same. And sometimes even when a plan does work and you do implement the plan, sometimes after a while, um, that plan no longer works and you just really have to implement a new one in order to continue to practice something different to break that habit and um, not not have our, our uh, mind and our brain revert back to it. So this part of really looking at what plan works for you is part of our step four process, which is reevaluating the, the thought and reevaluating the, uh, the plan. So in doing so, you're really maintaining that objectivity. You're putting yourself uh, outside of that behavior and looking at it from an objective perspective. How long does it take to make those changes? Well, for some people, there is a time limit. Some people say that it's three months before you can break a habit. For me personally, I don't go by time because everyone is different. And I think when we start looking at, well, it should take 300 practices or it should be three months for you to create a new habit then we get into that um, idea where if we do not accomplish it then we're going to start feeling bad about it and then that's not going to be useful to making the changes that we need to make so we need to get away from a time limit and really allow ourselves to make the changes based on the steps and the process that will give you success. And that leads me, the idea of success leads me to a different topic, perhaps for a different episode, but one that I think I briefly need to touch upon is what does success look like to you? So you have to have a clear goal, a measurable goal that you can say, I have achieved this. And that goal has to be reasonable because if it is not reasonable, you're definitely just setting yourself up for quote unquote failure or non-successes. So taking this idea from the individual to a company or an organization, you can kind of see how it applies organizations are made up of people and people are individuals. So what ends up happening is that it, at the organizational level, we often or organizations often have different 
behaviors. And those behaviors are set by the employees who work for the organization. And once those behaviors are set, they oftentimes become habits within an organization. And an example of that is organizational culture. A lot of the organizational culture is based on habits that have been um, established by employees. And once those habits are created within an organization, it's challenging to change. And therefore, we can say that uh, changing an organizational's culture can be challenging. So how do we do that? How do we go about changing an organizational culture? Well, we have to start looking at every individual and the habits and the behaviors of every individual to start really breaking down those habits and implementing a new set of rules, a new set of processes that can interfere with the current behaviors and start establishing new behaviors that are more productive within an organization. Another example of where this happens at the organizational level is from the consumer point of view. Consumers also have habits and an organization's ability to really look into consumer habits can help with uh, the effectiveness of that organization or the ability for that organization to increase their bottom line, increase their sales, and increase their um, ability to grow as an organization. With that said, I don't want to go too much into organizational change because like I mentioned at the beginning of the episode, this is a topic that I'm going to discuss in our next episode, organizational changes and how we can make those changes in our organization so we can become more profitable and grow as an organization. So I want to thank all our listeners for joining us today. I hope that you were able to take something away from this episode that can help you make those changes that you want, both in your personal life as well as in your business. I am also very involved in social media, so you can definitely follow me at MD Consulting Company, Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn. My website, if you want to check us out, is www.mdconsultingcompany.com. I am Dr. Maria from Mind Over Your Biz podcast. And again, thank you for joining us and hope to see you soon. Have a great day.